Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining and welcome to Beauty in Focus, a virtual content series that explores mental aesthetics and all things modern beauty. My name is Melanie Rudd. I am a real self-contributing editor, and I will be your moderator today. Today's episode is all about adult acne, a very common and very frustrating condition. Our panelists are going to talk about everything there is to know about adult acne, from what causes it to how it may be different from the acne you experienced as a teenager. They'll also talk about the most common treatment options, including over-the-counter and prescription products, in-office procedures, and even holistic lifestyle changes that can make a big difference. Please join me in welcoming our panelists. We have Ashley Iaconetti Havon, a TV personality best known for her appearance on The Bachelor franchise. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Good to see Hi. you. Thanks for having me. Of course. We have Dr. Sonia Lamel, a board certified dermatologist in Seattle, Washington. Hi, Dr. Lamel. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. And joining us again, Erica Martin, Senior Education Manager at Skin Skin Hi, Erica. Hi. Great to be back. <laughs> so let's start by digging in to exactly what adult acne is. I think that, you know, we kind of associate acne with this pimply middle schooler, right? But some studies show that anywhere from 40 to 54% of both men and women over the age of 25 battle some form of facial acne. And I know personally, I had totally clear skin as a teenager and then started battling breakouts when I hit my twenties. So Dr. Lamelli, I'd love to start with you. Can you kind of touch on just acne in general, but also what sets adult acne apart from the acne we might've had when we were younger? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a number of different factors that contribute to acne formation, whether you're a teen or an adult. These components are plugging in the hair follicle, oil production, and colonization of the follicles with bacteria. When all of these occur, inflammation results in acne form. Oil production can definitely be stimulated by hormones and different inflammatory pathways. And these are the things that can be different and a little bit more impactful in adulthood, oftentimes from hormonal states like pregnancy, birth control, stress, and diet. Right. So um, with, with hormones, obviously that affects you know, women more specifically. But typically, what other types of hormonal changes are we are we seeing with women? So you mentioned um, pregnancy, birth control pills. I know can impact this as well. You know, what other yeah. things with adult women are we seeing that that contribute to this? Yeah, absolutely. So us as women, we experience hormonal fluctuations every single day, really, and that varies month to month. Uh, and then all the different hormonal changes that we go through during our life. Um, so that can be obviously pregnancy. Um, there are multiple different forms of birth control that can affect it. Um, stress really is uh, a big influence on changes in hormones. And then there are a number of different more rare pathological things that can influence our hormones. And when we're talking about adult acne, um, especially in women, does it ever kind of show up in one particular part of the face? Like I've heard that, you know, hormonal acne really shows up kind of on the chin and, and jawline. Is that correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. We definitely see acne all over the face, um, sometimes even on the chest and the back. But the most common pattern is definitely the lower face and the neck. Um, the acne bumps also tend to be a little bit bigger, sometimes very painful and sometimes completely under the skin. Right. So more of like a cystic acne. Yep, definitely. So, um, you know, touching on, on that and kind of this positioning of the acne on the, on the chin and jaw, I want to touch on a very um, timely term that we've coined recently, maskne, right? So, so all these breakouts we're getting from, from wearing masks. Um, Erica, how is maskne different than what Dr. Lamel was mentioning, kind of these hormonal related acne breakouts and, and how are they maybe the same? Like, how can you tell which, which you're dealing with? Well, maskne tends to be more from friction and pressure on the skin. So wearing the mask and actually having that friction and the pressure of the mask on our skin all day long. And it's similar to, we see this a lot with, especially young people that are in sports. So boys that are playing football or other sports, they're having to wear like a chin strap, even some marching band where they have the chin straps. Um, and you see that acne form there from that friction and that pressure. So if someone already is suffering from acne for the reasons we've already discussed, then they, that friction and pressure of the maskne can certainly exacerbate it. But then also if someone has not really experienced acne, that's not, that's not something that they've been blessed with, they sure. may start to experience it with wearing the mask all day because it just forms a little bit differently um, because it's a result of just that on the skin all day long. Right. Um, so it's, it's different, but for us, it doesn't really matter because it's still acne on our skin. Sure. So sure. deal with it, so. <laughs> totally. And, you know, it's like, I think for, for, if women are suffering from this hormonal acne that is on the chin and jaw, that's like a double whammy, right? You already have it there and then you're wearing the mask, which we want to do, but then that's exacerbating it in the exact same spot. Exactly. Um, so we're, we're going to come back to masking knee when we talk about treatment options, because we want to talk about what we can do for all types of, of acne that we're battling. But Ashley, I want to, um, you know, move on to you and ask you, you've been so open about your struggles with your skin. And I think that's something that your followers and your fans really appreciate and it resonates with them. Can you tell us a little bit more, um, you know, about your skin history and kind of when you first started starting having some issues with your complexion? I would love to. I sit in the estheticians chair. Like if I meet a new esthetician, I'll be like, do you want to hear my skin story? I love it. Because <laughs> I could talk about it forever. Um, so basically like as a teenager, I had like, you know, your average sort of pimply skin, but nothing was ever deep and like nothing was ever abnormal. Mm -hmm. Not not that I would call what happened to me in my early twenties abnormal because like you were saying, you, you got it in your in your twenties. Yeah, girl, I got to break out right now. I'm hoping. Oh, I'm, I'm all broken out despite what it may appear. I'll tell you about that in a second. But so what happened around 22, 23, I was getting these huge cystic acne spots, chin, very stereotypical chin jawline. And of course, nothing topically was working. So my derm decided, you know, put her on the pill, which was orthotricycline, which was amazing for me, for my skin. Um, and then retin-A, clindamycin phosphate. And then we even put me on the list to do Accutane. But luckily by the time that I was approved to go on Accutane, the pill had really taken effect. And so did the topicals. And I was pretty much clear from that moment on. Um, so I had like maybe six months of like really 
painful cystic acne mm. the kind that like I would cry if I had to leave the house I like wish I could show people pictures but I didn't even take pictures of myself back then and when I did I like completely facetuned it you know right. I, this is like before facetune was a thing but like got on that computer and smooth 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 um then I was so scared this past summer when I was planning my husband and I are hoping to have a child soon and I was planning that detox from the pill and spirulacetone oh didn't mention that my derm also and that eventually put me on spirulacetone just kind of like cut it out wipe it out completely and I loved being on those drugs to be 100 percent serious and honest um I just felt like I was so clear um never had to work I had like maybe two cystic pimples an entire year I felt like my like I it was like very cut and angular because of the way that spironolacatone just sucks all the water out of you. I loved it. And I was very much dreading getting off of them. So I worked with a naturopathic doctor over the summer in order to get me like kind of detoxified before I got off of those. And you know, I weaned off spironolacatone. And luckily I, I have not experienced cystic acne since getting off of the pill and spironolactone. However, I have really noticed my oil levels have been so much increased. Like I used to be oily before being on those things. And then I was like very normal, you know, combination skin, whatnot. And now sorry to be like a little graphic before getting on this zoom. This was what I filled. This was my, these are my oil absorbers. And this was two hours since I used my last one. So my hair and my skin, it's gotten so oily. And while I'm not getting cystic acne, I am getting a lot of closed comedones. And I don't know now whether that's from the mask or whether that's from the pill detox in the oil, the excessive oil production. Sure. The end. <laughs> An excellent story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Um, so, so just to go back quickly to kind of your your journey when you were on your seasons of The Bachelor, what was going on with your skin there? Were so you? I was actually yeah. really, really clear there. Oh, you so were. Okay. That, that was like two or three months. That was two or three years after we got everything under control. But I was still always open and honest about the fact that I felt like I needed foundation on the show because I still have a lot. I don't have scarring. So thankful for that. But I do have a lot of red spots and spotting from it. Right. Right. But yeah, I I, I just been really open about that being something that I struggled with because back then when I was really experiencing it and then when I figured out what really worked for me, I was like, I want to share this with everyone. So when I got a platform, I was like, let's talk about it. Well, obviously, as we mentioned, it's so, so common. And again, so many, I think people relate to it. Um, I want to talk now kind of about what you touched on and, and sort of the treatment, you know, package that worked for you. Um, Erica, let's start with topical and over-the-counter products. I think that's, you know, kind of the first place people go before maybe they go see a dermatologist and, and try prescription options. But what kinds of ingredients are, are good for adult acne and what kinds of products should we be, be using? Well, I'm so glad you asked because we have a lot of several really great products with SkinCeuticals and a couple that are my favorites. And when you mentioned Ashley's spironolactone, 
you spoke to my heart because I too uh, did spironolactone. I was just like, oh, this <laughs> like, and when I was ready to get off of it, I was terrified to get off of it. And I started using from SkinCeuticals a product called Blemish Plus Age Defense. And I this- started using that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, my esthetician gave me it about a month ago, and I was like, wait a second, anti aging and blemish in one? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you have a smart esthetician. Uh, but that is what's great about it. It's there's several ingredients, but two of them you would ask about ingredients, um, salicylic acid and glycolic acid. And those are two really great ingredients, um, salicylic acid being a beta hydroxy acid and glycolic being an alpha hydroxy acid. The salicylic is really great at helping to kind of go in and clean out those clogged pores. And glycolic acid is great at exfoliation. So any of that dead skin cell buildup having that move along, sloughing it off. So we don't have that buildup, which can cause those blemishes to form. So they're great for blemish prevention for helping us prevent and clear up our blemishes, but then also they're great anti-aging ingredients as well, which is why we call it blemish plus age. And this has always been my own secret weapon. As soon as someone says, what should I use acne blemish plus age? I don't even need to hear the rest of the story. It's so good that it really has been my secret weapon. And then we actually just launched something brand new called Silymarin CF. And this is really exciting because it's an antioxidant and SkinCeuticals is known for our antioxidants. We right. have not launched an antioxidant since 2014. And this utilizes silymarin, which as an ingredient actually helps to reduce oiliness and reduce oil oxidation. Mm. And if we can do that, then we can kind of help prevent those factors that lead to blemishes. And so we always want to use a vitamin C antioxidant as our first step in the morning of our skincare routine. And now we have an antioxidant that is for oily and blemish prone skin. So you're addressing it at step one. And I mean, Ashley, right, when you're wanting to deal with acne, it's like every single step, I need every little bit I can possibly get. So using this at step one uses that silymarin, plus you have the L-ascorbic acid for your antioxidant protection. So it's really good in the beginning. Follow it up with blemish press age. Retinol at nighttime. <laughs> Retinol is another incredible one for both acne and anti-aging. And so those are some of the products and ingredients that are my absolute go-tos when someone is struggling with acne and blemish prone skin. So I've, got a, I've got a question, Erica. Sorry, I'm raising my hand here. <laughs> but, um, so you're cool with doing serum over serum? Because I, I know that some people will say use one serum for the nighttime and one during the day, and then you can put the moisturizer, the sunscreen or the retinol over it. But like, I never really knew that I could do serum then serum. Sure. So, I mean, you definitely want to be purposeful about your skincare routine and not use a thousand products. I, working for SkinCeuticals, get caught up into that where I'm like 10 steps morning and night and I have estheticians. I'm an esthetician and I know better and they're like, stop it. But you can select a couple of ones that serve a purpose. So an antioxidant, you definitely always want to use. And then often there's going to be a correction that you want. So I like Blemish Plus Age to kind of help correct those acne that break out. Someone else may want to do something like an HA intensifier to address their skin plumpness. So it is okay to to layer one or two together. And SkinCeuticals is a layerable line. Not every line is formulated the same, but ours is formulated to layer. You want to stick to a nice order, you know, serums, gels, lotions, creams, uh, thinnest to thickest is a good general rule, but it is okay to layer a couple um, to get that prevention with your antioxidant, a correction, and then of course, always a protection with your SPF. So 
absolutely. I think it's okay, especially if you're seeing an esthetician or a professional that makes sure that the products you're choosing are right for you, but definitely you can layer. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. I know that it's definitely a little bit tricky, trickier if you're going to use multiple brands, but I love yeah. that was useful. It's safe to layer. Yeah. And Erica, the glycolic acid and the antioxidants, um, those are also going to help kind of brighten and exfoliate any like leftover marks and hyperpigmentation you have from acne scarring, correct? Absolutely. And actually with blemish plus age defense, it is clinically proven to reduce PIH, which is post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So it's discoloration, dark spots, dark marks that are left behind after someone's broken out. Because a right. lot of times we get the acne cleared up, but we still have the discoloration. And so absolutely those ingredients will help to address that as well. Yeah. We're going to talk about those after effects when we talk about in-office treatments. Um, but Dr. Lamel, I want to, I want to move on to you and, and get your take on the prescription kind of side of things. Ashley mentioned that she was on, you know, several different prescription options, both oral and topical. Um, talk to us about kind of the tried and true, uh, prescription strength things that a dermatologist might be able to prescribe for adult acne. Yeah, absolutely. So every patient that comes into my office gets a topical retinoid. That's really the foundation of any good skincare regimen, and especially if you have acne. Um, then any other topicals that I do are really going to be tailored to whatever the specific type of acne is, or if they have a component of rosacea, or if they're like actually and maybe thinking about pregnancy, we'll kind of switch them to a pregnancy-friendly regimen right away so I don't have to make any changes. Um, and then in terms of any oral medications that I'm going to give patients um, for all of my kind of female hormonal patients, we really talk about that right away because a lot of those acne bumps come from those hormonal changes that are very um, inflammatory driven and deep. Um, so like you guys have all mentioned, you've heard of my absolute favorite medications, spironolactone. I take it personally. It Wait, really is. All, raise your hand if you've taken or are taking spironolactone. Oh, say there we go. It's like all we need to know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I can talk about that medication all day long. Um, I used to primarily use it in women who were kind of over the age of 20, um, but I'm actually using that medication even in younger and younger women because we really do have hormonally driven acne even at an earlier age. Um, spironolactone is such a safe and effective treatment option. We're actually super lucky to have it. It's something that's been around for decades. So we have an incredibly good long-term safety data on it. And we can really take it as long as we need it. Um, the way that it works is it's actually a very mild diuretic um, that blocks androgen receptors. So it has really wonderful effects on the skin, that oil production. Um, it also has great side effects if you're experiencing any hair thinning. Um, so that's always a, a plus that people like to hear about. Sure. Um, yeah. And um, again, like we can take it as long as we need it. I never really know how long somebody's going to need spironolactone, um, but the only time we need to go off of it is if you are planning on getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. I typically stop my women about a month before they start trying. And it actually is something that is safe during breastfeeding. So a lot of women are comforted in knowing that they have something to jump back on um, right after you deliver your baby. 
And should you, I was just like literally having this conversation with some girlfriends the other day when you're going off spironolactone and actually, I don't know how you did it. Is it better to wean off of it or like, do you just go cold Turkey? Like if you've been taking it for years, do you just stop one day or how do you, what should you do? No, there's actually no reason to really wean off of it. Um, unless you kind of want to see if you can go off of it without your acne coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, it is a medication kind of like birth control, the effects are um, slow onset. So it usually takes between three and five months before we get the full effects. And a lot of times it takes that long for the effects to fully wear off. Um, so sometimes, you know, especially if patients are planning on pregnancy or are experiencing any side effects, then we'll kind of wean them down slowly and see how they do. Right. Um Oh, Ashley has a question. Yes, Ashley. This <laughs> may not be exactly uh, acne related, but it is hormone related. So I got osprenolactone. My last dose was like maybe the first week of September. And then in December, I noticed the oil production and I noticed a lot of hair loss, unfortunately. Yep, exactly. So what you're experiencing is unfortunately really normal. Um, so spironolactone is stopping those hormones from activating your oil glands. And so when that effect starts to wear off, you get more oil production. Um, and likewise, the, the hormonal benefits, you could say, um, on your hair tend to wear off after a few months too. Yeah. So. Got it. But I think it's a good takeaway to know that with these prescription products, um, you know, be they oral or topical, like it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? You got to be patient, give them some time to do their thing. Like it's not going to magically clear your skin overnight. Right. Absolutely. You know, when we're, um, using any kind of medication, we're relying on your body's own processes to repair and fix inflammation. And so that really takes time. Um, so I really try to impress on upon my patients that it's going to take a minimum of two months, if not longer for you to really see impactful changes. Sure. Um, so, okay. We've talked about the product side of things, I want to talk about uh, treatments and procedures because, you know, as with most skin related concerns, there are things besides just products that we can try. Um, Dr. Mel, what kinds of things can we do, you know, from a, from a procedure standpoint at the dermatologist? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a number of things that we can do to help speed up the process. I don't ever like patients to rely on that completely because we really do need to get to the root cause of the acne. Um, but some of my favorite treatments include things like chemical peels. Um, there are all sorts of amazing peels with different ingredients that can combat acne and then also help to take care of the marks and the scarring. Sure. Um, patients have already started to acquire. Um, microneedling is actually something that we do have data that shows that you can use that when patients have active acne, and it does actually help in addition to the really amazing effects on um, improving scars. Um, I also like to use some light-based um, devices. Mm -hmm. I really like, um, we have a uh, broadband light device in our office here, which is a type of intense pulsed light that can definitely speed up the process. Um, you can also use blue light therapies. Um, so there's all sorts of great ways to help speed up clearing your acne. Right. And Erica, what, uh, your eyes lit up when, 
when Dr. Lamel mentioned peels. So, so talk to me a little bit more about peels. A lot of these ingredients in the chemical peels are the AHAs and BHAs you mentioned in the topicals, right? Like the glycolic and the salicylic of the world. Absolutely. And my eyes do light up. I love chemical peels. <laughs> Um, and you're absolutely right. Utilizing alpha hydroxy and beta hydroxy acids in chemical peels are a great way to kind of, I love to think when you're in your esthetician's office or when you're in your doctor's office, that's like, you're doing the big thing. It's like being at the dentist and then you go home every day and you have to brush your teeth and that's using your skincare. Same ingredients. Often, obviously there are different concentrations. You're going to go heavy hitting in the office and you're going to go lighter concentrations for at home use, but the same ingredients really do work well. Um, at SkinCeuticals, we have micro peels that are glycolic peels. So glycolic acid, 20% and 30%. And those are great for that exfoliation, just getting those dead skin cells off the skin. And then we also have the micro peel pluses that are salicylic acid. And so that's really helping to get down in the pores and clean those out. And so it's really great. I think when you are trying to not only get your acne under control, but to maintain it, to go in and have those regular treatments, not all chemical peels cause actual skin shedding that's visible to the eye. So you don't have to worry that you're going to have like those side effects. It can be something that you go about your everyday life, um, but it's a great way to help maintain that skin and then go home and do your maintenance every morning and night. And that really can be a winning combination to keeping your skin under control. Um, so yes, I love chemical peels. And if you have a lot of discoloration or scarring, then deeper chemical peels, maybe a TCA peel um, can really help to kind of jumpstart and do a nice big result. And then you can maintain with those lighter peels and those at-home products. Um, so I adore chemical peels. <laughs> what? Um, so in terms of the at-home products though, like, call, you know, say the day you get your peel, are you then going home at night and doing your same anti-acne regimen or what kinds of products do you need to be using kind of like right after a peel or procedure on your skin? That's a great question um, because a lot of people, especially when you're dealing with the acne and severe breakouts, you just want to throw everything at your skin all the time. And it's really important to treat your skin with kindness, even when you're trying to get your acne under control. So depending on the depth of your peel, if you're doing something like a salicylic or a glycolic, you'll want to stay away from any at-home exfoliants, retinol, glycolic, salicylic, any of those ingredients at home for probably about a week is a good rule. A week after is important. If you're on retinol, you would want to discontinue that a week before your chemical peel and a week after. Um, and then depending on if you do something deeper, that would be up to the person, you know, your provider. So ask your physician, ask your esthetician, what should I do? But typically after you're going to use gentle cleanser, a light moisturizer, always lots of sunscreen, but that's when you're really trying to nourish your skin when it's in that healing phase and then wait until you're healed to start your maintenance routine up again. So a a week before, a week after is a good general rule, um, but it depends on the depth and the severity of what you're having done. Sure, sure. And are there any um, SkinCeuticals products you like for post peel or post procedure? Like I love the um, the B5, the hydrating B5 gel. That's kind of my go-to after like a, a laser peel. Triple lipid, triple lipid. Triple lipid, another good one. I love it, Ashley. <laughs> You're talking to my heart tonight, girl. <laughs> um, yes, triple lipid is incredible because it really is super nourishing and hydrating and helps to kind of get those lipids back into the skin. Um, so triple lipid is amazing. Hydrating B5 gel is fantastic because it's really lightweight. It feels awesome going on the skin. And then we also have something called phytocorrective gel and phytocorrective mask. I love phytocorrective mask 
keep it in the refrigerator. And then every night after I have a peel for about five or six nights, I put that on and I let it sit for about 15 minutes, cool my skin down, then put triple lipid on top of it, sleep in it. And you just get up to really hydrated skin. Do that for a week and you are glowing and you're gorgeous. So good. Um, Ashley, what types of um, in-office procedures or treatments uh, have you tried or did you try on your, your quest to clear skin? I've literally done every peel and every laser under the sun. <laughs> but for when it, a lot of them have been over the past two years in the fight for uh, a more melasma-free face. Okay. And a lot more hyperpigmentation as I've gotten older. But for redness from those post-acne marks, what I've loved so much is V-beam. Oh, nice. Okay. Perfect. Um, so, you know, we've talked about products, we've talked about procedures. I want to wrap things up and talk about um, adult acne from a more holistic lens and, and consider, you know, other lifestyle factors that might be playing a role and things we can consider. Um, you know, they say that you know, beauty comes from the inside out, right? And our skin is our largest visible organ. And it's, it's a good visual representation of what's going on with us you know, our, our overall health and, and well-being. So Erica, talk to me. I think there's a lot of talk and, and people kind of know this a little bit about uh, diet and acne. What's the, what's the correlation there? Is there anything to that? Well, a lot of times, so for some people, um, dairy can be a trigger to their acne. So that is one that you hear a lot, not everybody. So it's certainly not something that if you have a piece of cheese, you're going to break out, but it can be a trigger for some. But actually I find more in general um, that diet can be a relation to stress. So when you are really stressed, you're making poor diet choices. And it's really that stress that is exacerbating those breakouts. Um, we totally underestimate stress. I think a lot of times in our skin and the correlation, that sort of mind skin connection. And so yes, diet can, but it affects everyone differently. So some people can have certain types of foods and their skin does not respond. And then others have it and they feel like their skin does respond. So I don't think there is an end all be all answer when it comes to diet. It's about sort of looking at your diet and then looking at how is your skin affected and getting to know your body and your body's responses, because truly everyone's different. And I think a lot of times it's stress more than anything that causes us to make those choices that then our skin responds to. Um, and that's what I find in myself. And that's what I find talking to SkinCeuticals patients um, all the time. So I think that's really the bigger issue um, than a specific thing in a diet affecting everyone the same, because it just doesn't. Sure. Dr. Lamel, what would you add to that in terms of be it, you know, diet specifically or just kind of other lifestyle aspects that might be playing a role in, in adult acne? Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can definitely let you know what we know from the literature as it pertains to diet. So sugar, we all know that that leads to inflammation. Um, so when I talk to my patients about that, it's important to think about not just the individual food that you eat. So the glycemic index of the food, but it's actually important to think about your glycemic load over the course of the day, um, because somebody might generally be eating healthy foods. Um, but if you're having sugar content regularly over the day, that's adding up, that is definitely concerning. Um, as it pertains to dairy, the only thing that we've really teased out in the literature is skim milk. Hmm. Uh, and that might have to do with uh, whey protein, because we also see that um, people who are doing whey protein supplements can have 
kind of continued acne, even despite some of our pharmaceutical treatments. Um, so I always screen for that. Um, both of those things, dairy and sugar, kind of lead to different inflammatory pathways that then turn on oil production. Um, the other things that we know that are good are things like probiotics. Mm -hmm. um, the, the strains that we think are most beneficial are lactobacillus, which is really in fermented foods, and bifidobacterium. Um, there are also some other great supplements that have good data behind them too, things like zinc, um, nicotinamide, which is an anti-inflammatory form of vitamin B3, and alpha-3 omega fatty acids. So I usually tell my patients to try to get that ideally through your diet, and then if not, supplements are great. Sure. And Ashley, you tend to ask your followers a lot when you've posted about your skin struggles for their tips and tricks. Um, what are some of the best things you've heard, be it from your followers or, or kind of other things that, that worked for you or helping you now outside of just the, the products and the treatments? Well, when I did a post in June about my preparation for having to get off the pill and osprenolactone, I had a whole bunch of naturopathic doctors suggest that I follow their regimen. And I did get linked up with one through that. And I think it's made a huge difference in the fact that I haven't had any cysts since getting off all that stuff. Like, like, um, you guys are both saying she recommended that I get off dairy, you know, lessen dairy, lessen sugar, lessen, um, gluten, then take a probiotic, do a lot of DIM. So that's like kale, spinach, um, broccoli that oftentimes will like hormone balance the gut. And then I also learned about regularity and how that also sheds toxins that can create uh, acne. So I've been educating myself on a whole bunch of natural ways to flush it all yeah. out. Yeah. But I think Erica, you know what you said, it's, it's such a good point that it is so personal and you really need to kind of learn about your skin and what, what is triggering for you. And, you know, also like we talked about what products and what, what treatments work for you as well. Yeah. It's an individual journey when it comes to skin. It truly, truly is. Right. Yeah. But yet, as we've realized, this adult acne is such a common, common topic that so many of us are dealing with. So I'm so glad we were able to, to talk about it tonight. It was so wonderful speaking with you guys. Thank you so much to our speakers and to everyone at home for joining us. Please make sure to follow Real Self on Instagram and stay tuned for future Beauty and Focus webinar episodes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.